God is in the business of restoring us to everything he imagined before the creation of the universe. Satan was in heaven, and they say that he was a worship leader. If you imagine one of these guys standing up here, and you're singing, but you're singing to God, you're singing beyond the worship leader. But Satan stood here, and he liked the worship coming in his direction, and he wanted that for himself. And we could he haven't, he got cast out of heaven. And his heart's desire right now is to make sure as many people as he can take with him happens. So he showed up in the garden and he deceived Adam and Eve into taking some fruit so that the image that God had of you before he created the world, before he said, let there be anything, was dashed in that moment. And ever since then, we've been kind of living this life. We've been living our lives not how God really wanted us to live in the beginning. But the story doesn't end there because we have a God that wants to restore his perfect vision through Jesus. And so he took Noah. I don't even know what Noah's job was before he said, you're not going to do that anymore. You're going to be a boat builder. Oh, okay. Well, what's a boat? How do I build it? God gave him the plan. And then he took this guy, Jacob, Jacob was kind of a tricky guy, kind of stole his brother's birthright, and he changes Jacob, and he makes him a mighty nation of Israel. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. He took Abraham before that and said, you know what, you're living over here doing this, but I, I have a promised land for you, and I'm going to bring you over here. God has a habit of taking the people that they, they lost their vision. And he said, nope. I'm going to bring you over here because this is how I designed you. This is who I want you to be. He took Joseph, favored son. His brothers were jealous of him, sold him as a slave. From a slave, he works so hard that he becomes the master of the house. But then he gets put in jail because he gets falsely accused. And because he's faithful to God, God puts him into the palace of Egypt, he is second only to Pharaoh. So he wasn't really designed over here because God said, I need to save my people and I'm going to do it this way. So we see this whole thing of how people get kind of confused and they start believing that what they see with their eyes is the truth. And what they experience every day is the truth and we get deceived. And we get to Peter. Now, Peter, I don't know how Peter became a fisherman. Maybe his dad was a fisherman. 
I would assume his dad is a fisherman. He learns a trade, and he's sitting here. One day, he doesn't catch anything. So he gets out of his boat, and he starts cleaning his nets because it's full of weeds. And that is when God showed up in the form of Jesus. Let me fast forward in my notes here. Luke 5, 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, put out into the deep and cast down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Lord, I've been fishing all night. Basically, there ain't no fish there. Lord, you're a speaker. I, I get that. Okay, word of God, I'm, 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 I'm feeling it. But I'm a fisherman, and, 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 and no, I, I, there's none there. But you know what? He said, all right, I'll take you up on it. So he goes out at his word. The first word that he, well, he probably believes some of Jesus' messages, but the first word that he obeyed from Jesus, and he gets such a catch because he obeys Jesus. He gets such a catch that uh, it says their nets were breaking. Wowzers. So here he is. Simon Peter hears him. He's the fisherman. He sits there, and he has an experience with Jesus. And that experience was so impactful that he believed him, not a fisherman, to go out into the lake, throw his net on the other side of the boat, catches a fish, uh, you know, a catch that's so big that his nets are breaking. And he just falls down. And he said, I'm not worthy. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. He, he knew. He knew that he just had an encounter with God. And it changed him so much. And here's the kicker. This is what changes everything for Peter. Jesus looks at him in his sin. And he said... You are not a fisherman. You are a fisher of men. You got fooled, Satan. I'm sorry, I misspoke that line. Okay? Satan tried to fool Peter. He tried to think that he was designed to catch fish. Okay? Well, fishing was in Peter's heart, but he was fishing for the wrong thing. God wanted to use Peter to fish for people. God wanted to use Peter to take that which was lost and work in the name of Jesus and restore people. Just like he wants to work through us to restore people to him. So Jesus says, Peter, you weren't made for the boat. It's time to get out of the boat. And my question for you is, what boat are you sitting in? What have you believed in your life right now 
that has put you into a boat that you are never designed to be in. Okay? And here's the cool thing. When we have an encounter with Jesus, when we have an encounter with a loving God, the creator of the universe, who comes down in bodily form and says, hey, you know how you've been studying about this God that says, and let there be, and all of this stuff? Yeah, that's me. And let me tell you how much I love you. And let me tell you that what you're doing right now, the path that you're going on, is a path that I never designed for you. I love you, and I want to show you everything that you were created to be. And this is where Peter does something really cool. He got out of the boat. Now, I'm just wondering, you know, some of us are, you know, in this situation. And I don't know how many of you are here today who have not had that experience with Jesus yet. Maybe you're truly in a situation right now where you have never had an experience with Christ that has caused you to say, I'm in. Get me out. For me, it was when I was in college, and I was running away. I thought I was going to find happiness in alcohol, in girls, in, in status, in jobs, and getting a cool car, and all this stuff. And, and God was just like, you know, he let me go there, but he's like, I didn't design you for that. Matter of fact, when I went to college, I went to college to learn how to build houses. And step by step, through my college process, it was just like I got into a class and all of a sudden it, did, it disinterested me. This is boring. And it's just like, you know, then I'd go to a different, oh, I'm going to get a different major. Boom, 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 boom. Finally, I'm working as an athletic trainer. And I'm thinking, I'm doing community health. I'm, I'm going to do stuff. I'm going to work with a sports team. I'm going to go work for a college. I'm going to go work for a professional sports team. And I'm going to help the guys, you know, uh, you know, stay healthy and compete in their sports. And a friend of mine uh, that was play- a volleyball player at the time, she's like, why don't you try teaching? And I laughed. And I said, yeah, my dad was a teacher and a coach. I'm not, you know, whatever. But I talked to my parents, and they said, yeah, sure, go ahead and do that. Just check it out. I get into a classroom for the very first time, and I feel something that I have never felt before. Something in me came alive, and I knew from doing my student teaching that that's where I was supposed to be. I went to college to be a construction engineer, and I ended up being a teacher because that's where God wanted me. And little by little, he shaped me. He said, nope, not there. Nope, not there. Nope right there. And when I saw some of my athletic training friends after a few years, and they're like, hey, where are you working at? I'm a teacher. Teacher? How'd that happen? And didn't you take the certification exam? Nope. You spent four and a half years studying to be an athletic trainer, and you never took the exam? Nope. Not what I was supposed to do. Okay? And it's an amazing thing when you get into the pocket of where God wants you. And what I'm kind of what I'm asking 
will you have the faith to get out of your current situation and trust God to lead you into everything he created you to be? All right? Now, I know some of you are there already. Okay, some of you have been here so many times, and I, I am excited. You know, Wednesday nights, I see a lot of you guys here, and it takes a lot to come here Wednesday nights. All right, I really applaud you guys because here you are in the middle of your school week. You got all kinds of activities in school. You got sports. You got, you know, band stuff, everything, and you guys come here in the middle. And here now, it is summer, your first week of summer, and bam, you're sitting in here. You want God. All right, I see people. They're raising their hands for salvation all the time. But you guys are, are here a lot too. And so here's the deal. After Peter gets out of the boat, he has a ton of experiences with Jesus. He goes with Jesus and he hears teachings upon teachings. Some of the teachings are from the Old Testament. Some of them are from the New Testament. And he is seeing miracles. He's seeing people healed. Okay, boom, walking right up to, I'm not going to take your cell phone, Solomon. You know, boom, you know, it's just like, bam, I heal you, you are now whole. All right, he heals blind people. He makes the deaf hear. He makes the mute speak. Okay, Peter is seeing all of this stuff happen right in front of him. Here's this fisherman that got out of the boat that now is seeing the creator of the universe restore right in the middle of the marketplaces right in the middle of the temple in people's homes restoring people physically restoring people's souls people that were lost in sin that people wanted to condemn and they throw people around shouldn't we stone this person and he starts writing in the sand starts writing in the sand and shows compassion and mercy something that's never been done before and Peter sees all this stuff, and he gets really excited. Matter of fact, Jesus even says, okay, you guys have learned so much. It's time for you guys to go out in groups of two and, and, and go do this yourself. I'm going to give you power and authority to go do this yourself. And he sends them out, and they come back, and they're just like, we told the demons to go, and they left. It was so cool. And I you know, went up to someone, you're healed, and bam, it happened. Just like you, Jesus. Hey, we did that thing, and you told us to do that, and it was really cool. And we prayed over people, and they were healed. And we spoke in your name, and they were healed. And this is really cool. And so this is this life. He gets to spend a couple years with Jesus and see creator God on earth restoring people to what he designed and what he thought in his mind before the universe. And one day, Jesus feeds a bunch of people, and then the crowd got really big, and Jesus wanted to go to pray for a little bit. And he says, hey guys, why don't you take the boat across the lake? I'll meet you over on the other side. So they get in the boat. I'll just read it. I don't want to paraphrase Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost! They cried out in fear. 
But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. Now this time, Peter speaks up. And I think this is really cool. Peter is like, I just saw you do all of this really super cool stuff. You've trained us to do all this amazing stuff. You're walking on water. That's really cool. I want to do it too. Can you tell me to walk on water? Because I think that would be absolutely amazing. And so how does Jesus respond? He says, come. Woo. Now imagine, here I am in my boat. Picture it a little bit larger. And I got 11 of my buddies in this boat. So it's got to be bigger, right? Okay. And I am going to take a step out onto water. What was Jesus, I'm sorry, what was Peter's occupation? He was a fisherman. So do you think Peter had some experience with water? Do you think by chance Peter may have lost a few items in the water? I would think so. I have a boat. I've lost things already. If stuff falls out of it, it tends to sink. So here we go. Before Peter does that, before he's like, eh, okay, he's like, all right, can I believe? I've just saw all of this super, super cool stuff. Because do you know who created science? God did. Okay, God knows how everything works. Why can Jesus walk on water? Because he created it. He knows the science. He doesn't have to be deceived by what have I seen with my own eyes throughout my whole life. Jesus knows the foundation of the universe, and he explains that to us in Scripture. And so here we go. Peter takes out a step. And Peter's watching Jesus. We're going to pretend he's over there. And Peter takes another step out. And he's like, oh my goodness, I'm walking on the water. And I'm, I'm imagining his first few steps were, were, were like this. Let's pretend he's over here because that's kind of an odd angle. So here's the guys in the boat. And he's just like, All right, but his focus is still here. His focus is still, I'm coming to Jesus. I'm trusting that the creator God of the universe, if he can walk on water and he tells me to come, I can do it. So I'm walking out in faith. But then he does one of these numbers. Hmm. I walked away from the boat. I'm thinking he probably had some security here. Like, I can st- okay, I'm here, but I can still grab onto the boat, right? Because I'm not for certain 
But something tells me that they did not have life jackets in Bible times. I don't know for a fact, but I'm just thinking. So all of a sudden, he's like, I'm coming to Jesus. I'm doing the Jesus. And, I'm, and the boat's over there, and Jesus is over there. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, Peter. You're a fisherman. What do things do when they're in the water and there's no boat? Oh. Uh-oh. I'm ankle deep in it. Um, uh, uh, and before you know it, okay, in the way that the scripture kind of says it, you would think if you're going to be a fisherman, you would know how to swim, okay? But the way that the scripture just describes the event. It's kind of like Peter didn't know what to do. And he's sitting there, boat's over there, Jesus over there, and I'm going down, and I'm going down quick. But he never got fully wet. Do you know why? Go ahead. So you heard the story too. It was in the cartoon. I think I actually have those cartoons. It says here, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. See, I think this was his problem. He was having a question in his head. Can I really believe that the word of God is true? If Jesus is the creator God in flesh, the son of God, and he commanded me to come out of the boat, he's telling physics, your rules don't apply anymore, he can walk on water. Is, is Peter going to believe that? Is he going to step out in faith and say, I believe every word that you speak is 100% true? Because when he got out of the boat, the answer was yes. But when he started looking around, all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute. This is what I know in my experience, and I'm sinking. Because everything that has ever fallen in the boat has sank. And I want you to tell you a story of my life here. I've been, um, my family and I um, have been here, it'll be three years in August. The church that I grew up in believed that some of the Bible wasn't true anymore. They said, basically, yes, we believe that was true then, but we don't believe it's true now, and they gave a fancy reason and a fancy rationale of, of, of this was then, but this is now, and this is why we say so. So God, at some point in time, turned off his word. That really never sat well with me, but I was just like, okay, I'm supposed to submit to my leaders, and that's what my leaders are saying, so okay, I guess it makes sense. So I came here, 
and started hearing teachings about the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, this is really cool because the teaching I hear here agrees with how I've read the Bible. And they're saying it's still true, and this is kind of cool. And so I went up to one of the pastors about my third or fourth week here, and I said, pastor said something about a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I want that. I want that stuff. Let, let's do that. So pastor prays for me. I'm so excited. I'm ready to speak Chinese or something. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, this is going to be cool. I'm going to speak something new. And he's like, go ahead and thank God, you know, in, in the way that you want. And nothing came out but English. Am I broken? Did it not work? Because this was not Pastor Dwayne. Maybe it has to be Pastor Dwayne. You know, it can't be one of the other pastors. It has to be the main guy. You know, maybe it's just like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, whatever. Okay. But here's the thing. The problem was not with the pastor. The problem was with me. Because even though I wanted this gift of the Holy Spirit and I wanted the evidence of tongues... I couldn't speak them because in my mind, I still believed, because of my teaching, that those were dead, that they didn't happen anymore. And as I, you know, we kept coming, we kept coming, I'm just like, it's got to happen, it's got to happen. You know, it's like every pastor that said, speaking in tongues, I'm just, okay, maybe this one will do it, okay? And it's still, it's just like, it's not happening, and my wife and I got into a conversation, and they're just like, what kind of church is Res Life? Is it Reformed? Is it Christian Reformed? That's kind of, you know, the Wyoming and the Granville area. You know, just whatever. It's non-denominational, but I heard someone say something about full gospel. Well, what does that mean? Maybe they believe in the full gospel. Maybe it's all true. Maybe it's not dead. I sat on a Sunday morning after my devotional, and I confessed it all. I said, God, I don't, you know, whatever your word says, I am going to believe is true. If your Bible says this, I'm going to believe it's true. I'm not going to believe that you turned off some of your word. I'm going to believe that it's still alive today. I'm, going to, I'm just going to step out in faith and say, I will believe. If you say it in your word, I'm going to believe it's true. At the time, I was singing in the choir up front in the main sanctuary. About the fourth song that day, I'm up there singing and worshiping probably like I never have before. And all of a sudden, I was no longer speaking the words of the song that were up on the screen. I was speaking some other language that I had never heard in my whole entire life. Whoa. Talk about you step out in faith. You're going to believe that the word of God is true. You're going to confess that with your mouth. I'll reward that. Bam. And I can pray now in the spirit in a new language that, you know, before I thought, mm mm. So this is what I really believe God is saying to you guys. Number one. Did you kind of hear, you know, 
Do you know what Jesus said after that? After he's kind of lifting them up out of the water? Ye of little faith, why did you say it loud and proud? Doubt. But you know what? I don't think he was like, dude, seriously, why did you doubt? I don't think it was like a condemning thing. I think it was like a, here I am, I'm a coach, I'm the creator God, and you're, you're stepping out in your faith, and I'm excited, you're believing, you're seeing, you're, you're, you're defying physics, and you fall. How long did it take before Jesus grabbed him? It says it was immediately. Bam. And he got him. Dude. Why did you doubt? You were doing so good. Look how far you are from the boat. You were doing such an amazing job. Why did you doubt? Why didn't you trust me? but I still have you. Even though your faith faltered, even though you looked around, I got you. Let me lift you back up. Let me bring you back to the boat. I don't think Jesus was condemning him at all. Why would Jesus condemn the guy that got out of the boat? and not the 11 that stayed in. Make sense? There was one more boat experience with Jesus. This one Open your hearts right now. Open your ears and listen to this well. Jesus was walking with Peter. Do you mind being a prop, Solomon? You're a good guy. He's going to be Peter. Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. <laughs> he, he wants you to to fall down but I've prayed for you and I will be with you and I will lift you up just you remember that thing in the boat there Pete you remember when remember remember when you were in the boat and you saw me and you believed in, in my word and I was with you then right when you are restored Strengthen your brothers. Jesus predicted and prophesied and told Simon he was about to deny him. And we all know the story. Peter's like, no, I won't. I will do this and we can get Josh up here. You know, he was Peter in the play. Everything is awesome. Everything. <laughs> okay. So here he is telling him in advance 
He's going to make a mistake. Satan wanted to take him down. Satan didn't want Jesus to, to grab Peter. Satan wanted Jesus at the bottom of the lake. But Jesus said, no, he's mine. You can't have him. Satan asked for him again. And Jesus said, no, you can't have him. You can trip him, but you can't have him because he's mine. What does Peter do? When challenged, you were with Jesus. Uh, no, 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 I wasn't. You're from Galilee. You were from Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay? I do not know this person you're talking about. All right? And it, boom, denies him, looks at Jesus, and Peter's just like, boom, boom, boom. And when that rooster crowed, it was kind of like, oh, oh, I denied him. After everything that Peter saw, after all the training that he had, three years, day and night, with the creator of the universe speaking into his life, telling him everything that he was created to be, showing him how to defy science, healing people, both internally, externally. Everything that Peter saw, he said, nope, I don't know the guy to save his own skin, just like Jesus told him he was going to. He even watches Jesus die. And the Bible says on Two occasions, and many more, but I'm just looking at the Gospel of John. Two times, Jesus, after he is raised from the dead, the disciples are up in an upper room because they're scared they're going to get killed, and Jesus, boom, shows up. He sees God after he was raised from the dead. Twice. And you know what Peter did? He got back into that stupid boat. I denied him. He said I was a fisher of man, but I failed miserably. I might as well just go back to fishing. I screwed up. I had a good thing. I had to open my stupid mouth. Nothing. 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 Peter believed Satan's biggest lie to a believer. And that's you messed up, you're no longer worthy. You might as well go back into the boat that you started from. And that's just what Peter did. But I think I told you that Jesus told Satan he couldn't have Peter. So Jesus shows up on the shore and says, hey, put the net on the other side. But I have been here all night. And there are no fish. But okay. 
he heaps up another huge score. So big, I'm thinking the catch was probably about the same size as the first day that he met Jesus. And that's probably why he ripped off his stuff and jumped into the water. And he said, I don't care this time. You're over there. That was the same catch I got the first day I met you. That's you. I'm in. Boom. And for every single time that Peter denies Jesus, Jesus asks him, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, follow me. (laughs) The power of that situation was the fact that here is a man who spent all this time with Jesus. He knew him better. Matter of fact, here's something cool I forgot to say. He saw Jesus in his heavenly form. Jesus took him up to the mountain with two other guys, and he changed into his heavenly form, and Peter still said, I do not know the guy. Are you serious? And even though he goofed up, even though he fumbled the ball, Jesus still was right there on the shore saying, Pete, fisher of man, not fisherman, stay out of the boat. That's what he wants from you guys. Learn to be everything God created you to be. Learn the power of the Scripture. Believe the power of the Scripture. And just like Peter did, get out of the boat. Have faith that what the Word says is true. If you need healing, believe it's there for you. Okay, if you need healing, of, if you have depression, no. The Word of God speaks against depression. Joy. A fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, Patience, kindness, love, self-control. Someone the other day, I'm not patient. Well, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. Stop listening to that voice. Be patient. Why? Because God told you that's what he was going to give you in the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. Even if you mess up, God will still be there. Jesus will still be there to say, I'm still here. I don't want you to go back in the boat. You know what? Awesome job. Way to get out of the boat. But why did you doubt? Stop it. But you know what? Let's get back up. And let's try again. Because if you believe in me, If you believe my words are true, I can offer you a life greater than you can ever imagine. Do you believe that?
Let's pray. God, how can we respond? You have done it all. 